This is Pastor Jeremy Wilson. We sure appreciate you listening uh, to this service today. We hope that it was a help to you and uh, your endeavors to study and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can be a help, be sure to check us out online at hbcpicune.com. Take your Bibles this morning and let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to cover uh, verse 11 through 14 through the end of the chapter. Uh, I'll give you a heads up this morning. It's fairly simplistic. Uh, there's not a, not a lot that I think that I could add to it to make it deep, if, if that's what you were looking for. Uh, it may be something that you already know about, uh, so maybe just take some notes and be reminded of, of what you know about. Um, the context, obviously, though, is a little deeper than what we'll look at in the verses 11 through 14. Tonight, uh, in the evening service, we're going to take up with verse 6, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to talk about baptism. So uh, this morning, if, if I don't give you your feel of Bible knowledge and learning a lot, uh, bear with me tonight. We'll, we'll catch back up, all right? So we're going to cover the baptisms that are mentioned in verse 2, and probably won't cover all of those, but we'll attempt to in the evening service. So here we are, chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5, the, the writer of Hebrews, if you recall, he is showing throughout this book, and we've gotten to the fifth chapter by now, that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Uh, Jesus is better than all aspects that the Jew knows about. Uh, he knows about angels, and Jesus is better. Uh, he knows about Moses in the first couple chapters, and and Jesus is better than Moses. Uh, he, he describes to them that, uh, that Jesus Christ is the best high priest. Uh, he says he's even better because he is of the order of Melchizedek. And remember, this was mentioned in chapter 14 of the book of Genesis, and this is why I need to kind of just bring you up to speed a little bit here. In chapter 5, he says, now, Jesus is better because he's of the order of Melchizedek, not of the order or the lineage of the tribe of Levi, being Aaron the high priest. Now, all of, a, all of a sudden, this should bring some intrigue, because if you were reading from Genesis all the way to Hebrews, and you just read through your Bible, uh, from chapter 14 of Genesis, uh, there is the first time that Melchizedek is mentioned. And if you remember, Melchizedek, not a lot said about him. He just kind of this man that appears out of nowhere to Abraham. And, and then he goes silent, and, and we don't hear anything about Melchizedek until we get to Psalm about 110. The psalmist David says that this coming Messiah, the Son of God, is going to be after the order of Melchizedek. Just mentioned him briefly again. 
and then it's silent about Melchizedek. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 5, and all of a sudden, then here it is again, Melchizedek. Now, again, the intrigue about it, because it's not a lot said, it, it makes it interesting because we say, and we scratch our head, who is this? And we went through a study, and, and I think we kind of figured out who it is. But with that in mind, the, the Hebrew, as he reads through, and he's being receiving this message from the author, and we don't know who the writer is, apart from God, of course, but who the physical human author that, that writes Hebrews, we don't know. But the, the, the author, the writer of Hebrews, gives about five warnings in this book. The first warning had taken place in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, in verses 1 through 4, there the writer said, you better take what you know and don't let it, don't slip, don't fall away from what you know. Because the warning is that you would slip from it. That is what's described in chapter 2. And in chapter 4, the second warning that you find that the writer indicates to the reader and says, hey, you better be careful of unbelief. Just as our forefathers didn't believe the spies that said we could get in, and they did not enter the promised land because of the subject of unbelief, he said, beware, because you could fall short of the things that God's got for you of the same subject matter of unbelief. Now you get to chapter 5, and chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, now is your third warning. And this warning is about dullness. Don't become dull. We'll explain that here in a little bit. Let's look at verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So this dullness is about what you're hearing. And then he says, verse 12, for when for, when for the time ye ought to be teachers. So it's something you should know, that you should be able to teach about it. Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, the first principles of the foundational things, of the, God, the things that God spoke about. And are become as, su as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, in the context, the, the subject is strong meat means that it is a Bible teaching that is very sturdy in, in its strength and this idea that is might be weighty and hard to, to bear. It is a spiritual idea of this food concept that the Bible is like food to us. It is milk. In other words, it is the, the, the simple simplicity of the Bible in which a babe would need. But an adult could eat meat and strong meat at that like beef jerky. You could chew on it for hours. Yeah, uh, a good steak. So he's taking this food and he's applying it in the idea that you could recognize this of Bible teaching. Now, we have to stop for a minute because we need to understand the context. The context, again, is that Jesus is the best high priest because he's of the order of Melchizedek. And when, when we got to the subject of Melchizedek, I, I told you that there's all sorts of ideas, and a lot of folks go, don't know who he is. Now, you realize that the author of Hebrews has mentioned Melchizedek and said, now, you, sorry, you Jews, you should be able to teach these, these meteor subjects. Well, what subject is he referring to? The order of Melchizedek. You realize that most Christians have no idea what this is? They've never studied it out. So what we have already covered with Melchizedek is a strong meat. I mean, there's not a lot of verses with it. Well, you have to do some Bible study and, and jump in pretty heavily to find out who is this guy. I think we've done that already. You say, who is it? Go back and listen to the audio. I'm not going through all that again. This is an important guy. 
But he's taking a subject that the, he's saying, Jews, you should have known about this. And you're supposed to know it. But you've become dull of hearing. You have been satisfied with just the milk of the Bible. When you should have been teachers of the Word of God and being able to take strong meat and give it out. But no, we have to bring you all the way back to the principles of the Bible. You understand that principles are a good thing. Principles are the foundation. If your foundation is off, then it's going to affect the rest of the building. The principles are that there are principles within the Word of God that will help you in your Christian life. And if you do not learn the basic principles of Christian life, you will struggle. You say, oh, but I know all about Melchizedek. Yeah, but that's not going to help you through tomorrow. It's the principles of Christianity. So this writer says that you should be able to handle strong meat, but you can't. Verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Now, that's not a slight to the babe. It is saying that the individual that can only handle milk and not the strong meat is not able and not skilled, not trained to handle the equipment, the tool. All of you that are maybe hands-on type of trades, you have, you have tools that go along with your trade. And some of those tools can be dangerous if given and put into the wrong hand. I mean, that'd be like taking a, 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 a drill and sticking it into a light socket and getting electrocuted, getting shocked. You need to be a trained, skilled individual for that. There's, there's a slight little chuckle because our electrician did that last night. He showed me a picture and he, I said, that's another reason I don't like electrical stuff. Turn the power off the whole house, then we can do, deal with it, right? Meaning that even someone that is skilled, and I'm not saying just him, I'm saying any of us here, can still have an accident, right? But what you wouldn't do is look down to Drake and say, all right, now I'm going to leave the power on. I've told you that's hot. Just don't touch the screw, and here's a screwdriver, and go for it. He's going to get hurt. It would not be a slight for me to say that Drake or Lucy or Holly are unskilled in electrical. Lucy, Drake, Holly, and Brother Jeremy are unskilled in electrical. Fine, you got it, okay. I admitted it. I'm not skilled there. So I would say that, that I am unskillful, meaning that that's, it's okay to be that. The problem is, is that now that we've, we've, been, we've, we've gotten this age and we've, we've learned these tools and to still want to hang around with so if Brother Rex went to that light, light, that light socket, he says, well, from now on, I'm going to use the Fisher-Price tools. We'd say, buddy, that, that's, that's not going to work. You know, I mean, you, that's, that's what your son does and plays with those things, right? I mean, it's the little ones have their own. Well, I'm going to use those from now on. That's the idea that the teacher that should be skilled in something with the, the tools that he should know how to handle has reverted back and gone to things that are for kids. You know, like the little plastic screws and you had to, right? Now we're on Bible. He said, you've been saved long enough. You should be able to take the, the meat of the Word of God and teach somebody else. But that's not the case. He said, all you want to do is handle the things that are milk, 
the simplistic things. Those are okay, but you're above that. Notice what he goes on in verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. He has to grow up into it, see? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We'll explain that in a minute. So the writer of Hebrews looks to the Jew and says, Everything you know about, you're doing it wrong. I, 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 I kind of tend to, to, to wonder that maybe the author of this book, this writing, knew that if he put his name behind it, they'd kill him. And they would have. They would have. Um, I, I don't know if that's the reason, but it, it, you can't help but wonder, because the Jews took it very personal when you attacked their religious system. And you have attacked their religious system. You have looked at this group of religious individuals and said that you don't know the Bible. You're nothing but a bunch of babies. And yet you should know and how to handle strong meat and strong teaching. And yet you can't. They didn't even know who Melchizedek was. They hadn't even seemed to look into it. Now verse 11 again. Of whom we have many things to say. Who is the whom? It's God. The writer says, I, I want to talk to you about God. I got a lot of things to say about him. Things that would be hard to be uttered, to be explained, to be spoken about. But seeing that ye are dull of hearing, dull. Uh, what does he mean? Slow to hear. Slow to hear is what he means. We've all experienced this. Uh, someone is engrossed in something going on in the house and you give instruction as a parent and say, you know, as soon as you finish that, I need you to do this, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever it was. And you thought they heard you. They did not hear you. You even said, did you hear me? Uh-huh. You heard every word I said. Yeah, 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 I heard it. Okay. And you went, well, tell me what I said. And they can't repeat it. You see, what are they? They're dull of hearing. They're capable of hearing. It is an idea that they are sleepy. I don't mean necessarily to fall asleep, but just kind of, you ever got sleepy and you're just kind of out of it? You're kind of zoned out, right? Dull of hearing. Drowsy. It also means slow of understanding. I've been there. Like, I'm not getting it. Try me again, right? So the, the writer says, it, it's hard for me because I want to teach you more. I want to t- talk to you more about God, but you are dull of hearing. You're not listening to me. You're not paying attention to me. It's almost like you're kind of lulled to sleep, and there's our problem. And so this writer of Hebrews is saying in this passage, can I warn you? Don't become dull of hearing. Well, who is it that would want to speak to you? Well, you could say the preacher. Sure, the preacher would like to get you to understand some things about the Bible. It could be that God is interested in teaching you His Word. There's all sorts of instructors, and in this passage, obviously, it is the writer to talk to them about God, and yet they're not there. They're not listening. They're listening, but they're not listening. Some have called it selective hearing, and guys, sometimes we get the bad rap for it, I think. And so all the ladies kind of went, right there. 
That's why I'm behind the pulpit and she's sitting down there at that moment. Yeah. We've been there. We were, we were just halfway listening, weren't we? And we caught part of it because we were doing something that was really important at the moment. I don't remember what it was I was doing, but it was important. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same analogy that God says, that's your problem, Israel. You're dull of hearing. Brings me the question then, what causes an individual to become dull? What is it that, on a spiritual note, would cause you and I to become dull of hearing with God? I mean, you could sit in church. You could, you could hear everything the preacher says. You could be in Sunday school class and hear the teacher. Uh, you can hear all the things audibly, but yet you didn't get it. So we're going to talk about what causes one to become dull. And then on the flip side of that, what he's encouraging is there should be some things with spiritual maturity. You should grow. So then I'm going to give you three ways to grow spiritually. Again, it's probably something you already know, but I want to help you to, to not become dull in hearing, and I want, you to, I want to help you to become spiritual in your growing with Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we now have gone through this passage and we've, we've kind of dissected it a little bit to see what it's dealing with. And for some of us, we've read through this, we've heard it preached before, it's not going to be anything new. But it might be something to remind us this morning to be cautious of, to, be, to take heed uh, of the warnings of how we could become dull of hearing and to make a focus upon and put our focus upon growing in Christ. As this writer here speaks to these Jewish believers about this subject, God, give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear in this passage. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So two causes, what can cause a dullness of hearing? Look at verse 12 again. For when, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles. Oracles are the words of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You could say this, an individual that would be caused for them to become dull of hearing is a mere fact of failing to grow up as they get older, failing to grow up. Uh, there's something that should transpire in an individual as we get older that we grow up. You've, you've said it about individuals. You look at an adult and you think to yourself, grow up. What do you mean? They were acting childish. They were acting below their age. They were doing something that, that was endangering them. Maybe not necessarily physically, but even spiritually. It was something that's going to cause a problem. It is a spiritual understanding to realize that as I grow older, there's a, a greater responsibility upon me to do the things that I'm expected to do. That, as Paul talks about in the book of Corinthians, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. You just expect, it's expected of children uh, to say the, the wrong thing at the wrong time when everybody else is listening. And that's when they do it. And uh, they, they, they'll say, my daddy said, and you're thinking, please don't, please don't. Oh, that's not, I, did, I didn't want you to tell them that, right? And, and, it, and it's just innocent with them. They just think everybody wants to know about it. And, and, and what you're trying to do is say, hey, as we get older, we don't say things like that. There was uh, several years back when this is the danger of having your sisters in the church and their Sunday school teachers to your younger boys. And they do things like this to be spiritual. I think they do. Does anybody here in this class today have a prayer request? 
Now, what that means is anything that we need to know about that's going on in the church, right? And one of them little rug rats, my daddy got a speeding ticket. And so, I mean, it was immediately after service, here comes my sister, I hear you got a speeding ticket. I thought I threatened those boys with an inch of their life. You do not tell anybody about this one. This is a family matter, you know, because there's just some things we don't need to preach about from the pulpit. You know, we could use everybody else's illustration, but not me. And they had leaked it. And um, why'd you have to tell them that? So you found out about it. Yeah, that was years ago. Going through New Orleans East, and it drops from about, what, from like 65 to like 55 or something like right there. Right there on that curve, you know. And I was going with traffic. I, I was speeding. I was, based on the speed limit, but I was actually going with the traffic. Does that make sense to you? I had no idea that there was a sign there. I found out there was a sign there. And so now I'm the one that you get behind when I go to New Orleans East, and you're going, get out of the way. Not me. Nope. We're going 55 right here. Yeah. And um, they have a way of just going, well, my daddy, why did you have to tell them? So we stopped feeding him. (laughs) Children. You know, there's, uh, and, and I'm using it as an illustration, you know, it's, we laugh about it, and it wasn't a big deal, obviously, but, but don't children have a way of saying things, and you're going, that's not, you're not supposed to say that. Just, just quiet, don't, don't tell anybody. And, uh, and here he says in this passage, there in verse 12, he said there that you have ought to be teachers. In other words, you should have grown up, and you should have been able to talk about some things that were, were strong meat but in your growth. But the problem is that you, you failed to grow up as you got older. I, I think there's lots of reasons why. There's, there's spiritual reasons why. Uh, one, of the, one of the best books that I read several years back uh, gave him an, an illustration. The, the author broke it down into five stages, I believe it was, of the growth of a man. And I'm not talking about mankind. I'm talking about men. And as I read through that, I sat back and I said, now that's why, okay. And it put some things together for me to understand why some of the men that I know act the way that they do. Because there are some things that stunted some growth. And so there's all sorts of reasons. I'm not trying to get into that this morning. That's not the point of the the message. But what I'm pointing to is that there is a natural growth that does transpire in any human being. And when that does not transpire, does not happen, something happens even on the spiritual level. Remember, you're a tripart being. You can can have an individual that's in a grown-up body and, and spiritually, they're not there. They're not where they need to be. So I think the, the reader is warned that in danger uh, of becoming dull is, to, is a spiritual relationship, and especially if you're not growing spiritually, you're in danger of becoming dull of hearing. There's a second area. I think bad habits prevent health, uh, healthy development. Bad habits. We all know that on the, the health side of the human body. You don't take care of this thing, you have problems. Uh, you've seen where children in orphanages will get shoved into a bed like a cage and no interaction with a parent that normally occurs. And then those very areas begin to cause problems. Nothing that can't be overcome, 
it's just amazing how that God intended, he had it instilled that a mother and a child. Do you realize this morning there's nothing around that? You, can't, you couldn't give a computer to an infant, a robot, and, and, and go around the way that God designed. God designed for a, a, a mother and a father within the home. That's what he designed. You say, well, but I, I know there's exceptions to the rules. I get that. And when they're not there, it causes problems. I've seen where uh, individuals have tried to, the father has tried to raise a family as a single man because the wife is out of the picture for whatever reason. You understand this morning that a daddy can never be a mama. He might learn how to fix some scrambled eggs. But it's here, eat those. (laughs) He doesn't have the compassion. He's not geared like the mom. And on the flip side, you understand that a mother, she can't be both parties. She just can't do it. You say, what do they do? Well, all I'm pointing to is that when there's bad habits, it prevents natural healthy growth. Bad manners and habits will prevent you from growing up. It'll stunt your growth. And the same thing goes in your spiritual life. You start a habit, and it's what it is, of not reading your Bible, and it will stunt your spiritual growth for the next 20 years. You, you create in your life the habit of not going to church and not paying attention and not being there when God expects you to. And I believe that's, listen, why would God call men and individuals to serve it in local churches and not intend for you to be there? Why would God write a book and not intend for you to read it? Why would God give you the Holy Spirit of God and in, intend for you to, to bear uh, witness and to listen to Him and you ignore Him? I didn't say anybody's perfect with this thing. I'm saying, but create some healthy habits in your Christian life and it will pay off. It will pay off. These are the times that some individuals, they, uh, they come and they want to uh, describe all their problems. And on the inside, I can't quite say it, but I, wanna, I, I so want to say, this is because the way you lived your Christian life. You didn't read your Bible. You didn't find the spouse that loved God in church. You found him somewhere else. And now you want to take Jesus and sprinkle it all upon it and fix the problem. I can't fix that. You know what happens? Because sometimes our daily routines, you, it becomes mundane. And you think, here I am, I go to church, I read my Bible, and nothing's happened. Right, I know, but give it 20 years. And then tell me what your kids are like when they're raised in church. And your kids are in church, and they love God, and they're trying to find answers from the Bible because they saw some people around them. They saw an imperfect mother and father that tried to do something right. It'll pay off. You know what that is? It's creating healthy habits. And when you create unhealthy habits, there's payday someday. Now, I'm not trying to be mean with that. Try go 20 years without brushing your teeth. And tell me how many friends you got. That's why we wave at you when you come into church and we go to the other side of the building. <laughs> Right? I mean, there was, I remember years ago, there was a, a guy down at, at Brother Andrew's church, and he bragged about the fact, I don't ever brush my teeth. I don't even own a toothbrush. We weren't his friend. <laughs> you see, why? That's not a healthy habit. And it's going to create a problem. 
So I think the, war, the, the writer warns. You have unhealthy habits spiritually, you'll become dull of hearing. And the moment you need to hear from God, you don't know how to find Him in that book. You say, well, I'm going to go to church now. But you don't know how to hear Him because too much stuff is kind of muddled out and dulled. It's almost like it lulled you to sleep. Some have decided that salvation's enough. Heaven is sufficient. But do you understand that God desires more from you? You realize that God has something greater for you in your spiritual life? I think those two areas will cause us to become dull. That's what he warned about in verse 12. He said uh, there in verse 11 and 12, he said, you become dull of hearing when you shouldn't have been. But now in verse 11 through 14, there are three areas of spiritual maturity, three ways that God would like for you to grow in your spiritual life. What I'm pointing to this morning, let me remind you, are principles. That's really what I'm giving you. And if you will just take these principles and begin to apply it, I'm not going to promise you that your life is going to be different tomorrow or next week. But I do see if you begin to grow, you don't become dull of hearing. And there will be a day when you need to hear from God. First thing I would say with spiritual maturity is you need solid spiritual food. Solid spiritual food. As you begin to grow, there's something that is a little bit more meaty in the Word of God. Verse 14, he said, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. How long have you been saved? Do you get more from preaching messages than you did before when you first got saved? You should. Can you find books of the Bible that you did not know even existed when you first got saved? Can you find the general location of those books you should be able to in other words as you get, you grow in full age strong meat should be present in a diet would you take your bibles and look at first corinthians chapter 3 first corinthians chapter 3 the apostle paul writes to this church of corinth if you've ever read through the book of corinthians you know that this church has got a lot of problems i mean some major issues from marriage problems within the church and fellowship times that were going on and they were suing each other in a court of law. Now, that suing each other in court of law, this was, uh, keep in mind, there is, there's no TV, there's no YouTube. Uh, their entertainment was in about two different arenas. You went to the Coliseum and you could watch gladiators, you could watch uh, the, the Christians getting murdered. That's, that's an area. It, it, that was a mess. Or you go to the courtroom. That's like Judge Judy, buddy. Man, yeah. You didn't watch it on TV, but hey, this is, man, they just fight, and, 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 and who's going to win? It was entertainment. And so Paul writes, and he goes, why are you taking the problems within the church? And we, we, a church can have problems, he said, but you're taking that to the arena, in essence, of the world. And they're looking at you thinking, why would I want to be a Christian? they got the same problems we got. They can't even handle their own issues. He goes, church, handle your own problems. These are the things he's dealing with. 
But there's a core root problem that, that he mentions in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians of why this Corinthian church has got all of these massive problems. In chapter 3, verse 1, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. He said, I'd like to write to you and speak to you and talk to you that you were spiritual people, but you are not. He said, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Because that's what you do with a baby. You feed a baby milk, and at some point as the baby grows, becomes a toddler, and becomes go, and, says, and discovers the spoon and the fork, and you're over for, for a guy. I mean, it's, especially if it's a boy, you're done. You're broke the rest of your life. You know, they, they've discovered they can feed themselves, and there's more food than what came in a container that was liquefied. Now they realize there's actually peas and roast beef that is in entirety in its wholeness, not put into a blender. Yeah, they want to eat now. That's what my boys want to do. They want to eat all the time, eat all the time. Paul says, I, I wanted to feed you with meat, in that sense, what are you going to say? But I couldn't. I got to take you back to the milk. Now, got to pick on Brother Danny. Imagine him getting to church, and Miss Marisa said, yeah, I fixed him a good meal last night, and we were like, oh, what'd you have? And he had to, she had to put it into a blender because, you know, he didn't like to chew his food up. They went on their anniversary date. And they said, can you take that nice big steak and put it in a blender for him, you know? Now, we, we would all look at that going, grow up, right? I mean, enjoy some finer things of life. Now, he doesn't eat like that, obviously. Uh, but, but we would look at that and laugh, wouldn't we? We'd think that's funny, right? And she's had to feed. And what, you can imagine Miss Reese going, open up, open for the helicopter, woo, right? She's like, I'm not doing it, right? But if that's the way he says, well, from now on, you know, they got people like that, they want to identify as a baby. Why? Grow up, right? Grown adults want to identify as a cat, wear cat ears and meow. We played like that as kids, right? I mean, we pretended to be things. Not adults. That society's crazy, they're nuts. Now, can you look at God's perspective, and he looks at you, and he goes, you should be on strong meat of the word of God, and yet you're on milk. What's your problem? See, what's your problem? And in chapter 3, in verse 2, he said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. He said, you still can't handle it. So, Paul says, I'm going to deal with you like a bunch of babies. One guy, I knew, I knew a preacher that used to pull out a big plastic pacifier from behind the pulpit, and he'd say, if you don't like it, here's your pacifier. You realize how, how well that go over in, in the modern churches today? He called me a baby. But some act like that. He said, I don't know, because there's an example right there. Grown adults that didn't grow up. You know what you should do to grow spiritually? Learn to eat some solid spiritual food. The Bible's likened to as milk. It's likened to as meat. It's likened to as fruits and vegetables. It's likened to as grains and breads. Every man shall, uh, man shall not live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See the analogy that he gives? Uh, he says in the book of Proverbs, he says, words are like honey. Oh, you eat too much honey, you're going to get sick. It, just, just a little bit. Uh, he talks about things of life being like salt and water. It's a well-balanced diet. Well-balanced diet. If you just decided from here on out, all I'm going to eat is bananas. 
And we say problems. But some are good. If all you're going to eat is meat, you're going to wind up with health problems. If you decide all I'm going to eat is vegetables, well, there's some other things that you do need. So balanced. Solid spiritual food will help you to mature in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, the concept is there that you maintain, number two, maintain the practice of doing what's right. Keep doing what's right. You're going to learn about Christ. You're going to grow. Do what's right. You know, some Christians, I don't know if you figured this out, some Christians do not make wise decisions. Just because they're saved does not mean they always make decisions with wisdom. Have you ever seen that? Me and Brother Dave. Okay, some of you are not watching the rest of this crowd. Uh, now, just find you a Christian that you know and, or, you know, and watch them, and, and they're going to make decisions that are, you're thinking, why are they doing that? And it's not wise. Progress should take place uh, in our life for God. You need to awaken to the fact that God can lead you, but He wants you to do what's right. Do what's right. We'd take the kids in a Sunday school class years ago, and we'd say, do right till the stars fall. Do right. Even when you don't know what to do, do what's right. Do what's right. I, just, I, I, I don't know how to fix it. Do right. Just do what's right. If you'll do what's right, God will take up on His side. and he'll, he'll help you to grow and maintain the practice of doing what's right. Eat some solid food. It's good for you. And then maintain to do what's right in your Christian life. Number three is exercise discernment. Exercise discernment. Take your Bibles, look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, a few pages to your right there if you're in Hebrews. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Again, I told you, these are some basics. It's nothing major, but this is the problem that became uh, that the, the, the church or the believers of the Hebrews, the, the readers there, had become dull of hearing. They had not maintained spiritual growth. Maintain the practice of doing what's right. Eat some solid food in the Word of God. Exercise discernment. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. <laughs> Don't believe everything you hear. You see, but preacher, they had a smile on their face, and they're lying. Oh, but they seemed so sincere, and they were lying. I can just feel it. It just feels right. And you're nuts. <laughs> Believe not every spirit. He goes on to say, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Then you better figure out how to make wise decisions and discern right and wrong. Listen, I could tell you story after story of individuals that made poor decisions with no discernment. I can tell you someone right now that the spouse looked at the other party and said, I don't like that individual. Stay away from them. And they didn't. They'd pull into a parking lot right beside the one they were warned to be next to just so they could make eye contact with the individual, a married individual with somebody that was not their spouse. You said, where did it end up? You know, you know where it ended up. It ended up with an adultery. Why? Because the one party looked at the other one and says, my spouse doesn't like you, told me to stay away. Can we say no discernment? No discernment. 
no dis discerning between good and evil, right or wrong. It all just became, and it created a problem. You and your Christian life need to make say what is right and what is wrong and discern between good and evil. Do you realize that that's one of the jobs of the preacher is to teach you how to discern between good and evil and right and wrong? God looked at Ezekiel and said, Ezekiel, he said, you're the priest. Get up there and teach him between right, right and wrong, good and evil. I know sometimes you think, why is he telling us this again? Because some people don't get it. They don't get it. Like, it, they'll get up Monday morning, and it still does not come through their hard head. Read your Bible. All they can hear is on Wednesday night, oh, here he goes again, read my Bible again. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to teach you between right and wrong, good and evil, black and white, darkness and light. 